Our gospel lesson today comes from the 11th chapter of John. Hear these words. A certain man, Lazarus, was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. This was the Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, saying, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, This illness isn't fatal. It's for the glory of God, so that God's Son can be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was. After two days, he said to his disciples, let's return to Judea again. The disciples replied, Rabbi, the Jewish opposition wants to stone you, but you want to go back? Jesus answered, aren't there 12 hours in the day? Whoever walks in the day doesn't stumble because they see the light of the world. But whoever walks in the night does stumble because the light isn't in them. He continued, our friend Lazarus is sleeping, but I am going in order to wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will get well. They thought Jesus meant that Lazarus was in a deep sleep, but Jesus had spoken about Lazarus' death. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. For your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you can believe. Let's go to him. Then Thomas, the one called Didymus, said to the other disciples, let us go too, so that we may die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was a little less than two miles from Jerusalem. Many Jews had come to comfort Martha and Mary after their brother's death. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him while Mary remained in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Martha replied, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She replied, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, God's son, the one who is coming into the world. After she said this, she went and spoke privately to her sister Mary. The teacher is here and he's calling for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to Jesus. He hadn't entered the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were comforting Mary in the house saw her get up quickly and leave, they followed her. They assumed she was going to mourn at the tomb. When Mary arrived where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying also, he was deeply disturbed and troubled. He asked, where have you laid him? They replied, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to cry. The Jews said, see how much he loved him. But some of them said, he healed the eyes of the man born blind. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was deeply disturbed again when he came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone covered the entrance. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, the smell will be awful. He's been dead four days. Jesus replied, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see God's glory? So they removed the stone. 
Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me. I say this for the benefit of the crowd standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Having said this, Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his feet bound and his hands tied and his face covered with a cloth. Jesus said to them, untie him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came with Mary and saw what Jesus did believed in him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When we think about the pandemic, I think a lot of times we think about the the loss in that pandemic, particularly for, for children, and a lot of times for elderly folks who, who were sequestered and, and felt even more isolated maybe than before. And I think that's all very true. The, the pandemic affected all of us. But I also lately have been thinking about the special pain, especially of like late teenagers during that time of the pandemic. Think about a generation who already feels the overabundance of screens and virtual technology in their lives all of the time and then being asked to kind of do everything that way and mediate it through those screens. The reality for me of thinking about losing an entire senior year of high school or something like that and all the special things and markers that go along with that or maybe starting college virtually and never having that experience of the first couple of years of actually getting to know classmates and making friends uh, and, and staying up too late in the night playing a stupid board game and things like that, things that happen in a dorm. Like I just think about how, how, how students didn't have some of those experiences in the midst of that. And, and, and I, I truly think that there's an experience of, of kind of mourning and grief that goes on for that. We, we heard about kids missing proms and stuff like that early on, but you think about when that went on and on for almost two full years, um, at least making life way different. It's an experience, I think, of mourning in a sense, uh, mourning what could have been, mourning opportunities missed. Um, I think some of those times that we all think back on, uh, some of those wonderful times in life, whatever you were doing around those ages um, of kind of that identity formation and character formation that goes on during that time and how important it is for all of us. Everyone in this text, in, in this Lazarus story, wants Jesus to do the healing miracles that he is known for. By now, word had gotten out, especially after he heals, he heals the blind man, right? That Jesus, this prophet from Galilee, had the power to heal the sick. They knew he could do it, right? His disciples knew he could do it. Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, send to Jesus to let him know, hey, Lazarus is sick, come and do your magic, wonder worker, right? Like, come on down here. And so what does Jesus do, right? He stays where he is stays where he is just to give Lazarus plenty of time to be really dead. I mean, that's the emphasis of a lot of the beginning of this story, right? I mean, even when Mary takes him to the tomb, right, the famous King James verse is, well, it's been four days. He stinketh, right? That's literally what it says in there, which is a great translation. But, but, 
that, that was the concern, right? Is that, hey, Jesus, you, you could get here. I mean, he, he's, he's sick right now. He's not doing well, but we know you can, you can heal him. The sisters' refrain seems to have these same expectations, right? When Martha goes to him and finds him, Lord, if you, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She goes and gets Mary. Mary says the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And it's almost like the, the echoes that we will hear in John 20 in just two weeks on Easter Sunday. In John 20, right, Mary's going to think that he's the gardener. And she's going to say, if you, they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've put him. And she's going to say that three times. And when things get repeated in these stories, we know that they're kind of important. So she's saying, and in this text, Mary and Martha are saying, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. They assume, everyone assumes, that Lazarus, after death, is beyond helping. When Jesus is letting them know that the time has just arrived. The time has just arrived. But even in the midst of her deepest grief, right, what Martha leaves, the reason why Mary and Martha don't come together is because there's a whole house of people who have come to sit and grieve with them during the Jewish practice of Shiva. And so Mary and Martha have a whole company of people at their home who are there to sit and grieve with them. So Martha goes out to first greet Jesus, right? And she holds on to hope of the impossible. In, in their world, in their understanding, and really in our understanding, death is the cold stop of anyone's power. We seek help for someone up until that point, and then once someone dies, we don't think that there is any more earthly help for them, at least. But Martha's hope here is a confession that she doesn't fully understand, right? Jesus tells her, well, your brother will rise again. And Martha replies, well, I, I know he will in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus says to her, right, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who believes in me will never die. He asks her, do you believe this? And Martha's response, right, Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, God's son, the one who is coming into the world. Martha's hope is a confession that she doesn't even fully understand or grasp at this point. But Martha, in the midst of this, somehow has a hope that Jesus is going to do something. She says to him, even now, even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. I don't even think she can dream of the possibility of Lazarus being resuscitated and risen from the dead. But yet she holds out hope that Jesus could do something. So Mary goes to Jesus after Martha does, right? Says the same line, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And he asks her, where have you laid him? Where is the tomb? And Mary replies these words that are going to be very important all throughout the Gospel of John. She says these, come and see. Whenever there's an invitation to come and see in John, it is an invitation to God getting involved with us. Come and see. So Jesus goes to the tomb. 
goes to the tomb where they're going to have quite the encounter with God. And what we see in this section is that Jesus feels our pain and is acquainted with our grief. The word empathy means this. It's the ability to share someone else's feelings. It is looking at things from another person's perspective and attempting to understand why they feel the way they do. Empathy is different than sympathy. Sympathy is just feeling bad for someone or pitying them. Friends, saying bless their heart to someone is sympathy. It is not taking on and entering how someone else feels. It is keeping it at a distance from us. But Jesus here displays true empathy. He enters the space of their pain. Twice in the passage it says he was deeply disturbed and in anguish. We get that famous verse that some of us learned, some of us learned at Bible school because they said memorize a Bible verse and it had two words in it because it says Jesus wept in some editions. This said Jesus began to cry, which is a little longer for us. But nonetheless, Jesus takes on the very pain of the people. Now here's the reality that we know. Jesus already knows he's going to heal Lazarus. He said it at the beginning, right? Lazarus, he's just sleeping. Hey, you know what? This is all happening for God's glory anyway, so Jesus kind of has this like eternal perspective in the midst of it, and yet he feels this deep human emotion, so much so that it seems to be Jesus saying, you know what? Death is always terrible. This is not how it is supposed to be. So the human part of Jesus, however that works, however this divine and human operate together in the life of Jesus, feels their pain. Now, friends, we have a lot of things in our world to mourn and grieve. We do have real physical death to grieve. That is absolutely true. But we also grieve the loss of relationships, maybe when they have moved on from us. We also grieve the loss of our plan. Some of us may have thought our life was going to go a certain way, and it took ebbs and flows and turns we never thought. And it moves in a different direction. Some of us are grieving unrealized dreams. Some of us grieve the physical limitations that we have that we did not anticipate having or a loved one has. In Isaiah 53, when it talks about the suffering servant, that passage we often use during Good Friday time, it describes the suffering servant who we identify as Jesus, as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. That describes empathy. Jesus, the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. So what does Jesus do? When he goes to raise Lazarus, Jesus cuts off death's power from binding us. He says, Lazarus, come out, and the dead man came out, his feet bound and his hands tied and his face covered with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, untie him and let him 
go. What Jesus does for Lazarus, Jesus is going to do himself and then for all of us. The thing that we fear the most as humans is our mortality. Even that is healed by Jesus. Even what we thought was cold, stop. What we thought was impossible, Jesus can heal. Jesus enters into all of our spaces of pain and grief to heal them. Oftentimes when we think about healing ministry, especially when we think about it in contemporary language, we think about people who really believe in the gift of healing or who have experienced that. And I do think there's a place for that physically today. But when I think about those students that I mentioned earlier in the sermon, I also think there's a space and a place that we need in our culture, especially right now for mental and emotional healing. I think we have a lot of folks walking around burdened, not just by the last three years, but especially in the last three years, with realities of depression, anxiety, other forms of mental illness, real grief and sorrow. In the case of those young adults who lost so much and so many experiences in the midst of the pandemic, I think Jesus enters the places of anxiety, the places of depression, and helps to heal them. Now, thank God there is less stigma today around mental health, around emotional illness. I don't think that this always just happens with a lightning bolt that all of a sudden cures someone of depression or something. I think it happens with the help of therapists and counselors and teams of people working and sometimes happens with psychiatric drugs that help. But I really, really, really think that Jesus, in our culture today, that the ministry of healing that needs to take place is that ministry more that's internal than just what is on the external with our physical maladies. And when I think about who is hurting the most in our community and who it is that we know and love that that is struggling, I think it's a lot of those kind of unspoken mental and emotional spaces and places. I think sometimes we've, we've either hidden ourselves from those things when we've been going through them, or we don't really know how to name it out loud for people as easy as we do a cancer diagnosis, which we should pray for and which truly needs healing too. But I think that Jesus wants to enter into those places where we are really struggling, where we can't always name it or we don't feel like we can. And he wants to come and heal those spaces too because he understands how we feel. He was deeply disturbed and troubled. And I think where Jesus was most deeply disturbed and troubled is because he saw the power that death was holding in people's lives. And Jesus comes into our world, into our lives to say, no, 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 death will never get the last word. Believe in me because I am resurrection and I am life. I wonder how might we be part of the healing that Jesus wants to bring? How might we enter the places of pain with others 
and bring the resurrection of Jesus. Amen.